I'm a clay sculptor and I'm passionate and curious about all things creative. This podcast is about conversations with all kinds of artists, the how and the why they create. I'll be talking to painters, poets, potters, novelists, actors, musicians, clothing designers, leather makers, jewelers, and uh, there also may be some wine involved. We are in conversation with the wonderful Norman Foote, musician, songwriter, puppeteer, and comedian. And we're having some lovely white Pinot Gris from See You Later Ranch. Oh, yes. Very nice. Nice, isn't it? Have you ever been to See You Later Ranch? No, I haven't. Oh, it's wonderful there. It's beautiful space. So cheers. It's great to see you again. Great to see you too. And, uh, thank <laughs> you. changed a bit. So here we'll have one. Well, you start with a bit of a fib right away, didn't you? That I haven't changed. <laughs> but that's all right. That's yeah. all right. <laughs> okay. So, you know, Norman, I've known you a really long time. You're one of the few BC or original BCers, right? So you were born in Vancouver. Were you born in Vancouver or Squamish? Born in Vancouver General. Okay. Yeah, it was supposed to be a, a very hard birth on my mom. <laughs> um, must have been. They they gave me a big, long name. We're going to call him Norman Mervyn. Oh. His middle name is Mervyn, and then Barrington oh. Foot. So. Oh. Born that's, in BC. Yeah, that's a that's a mouthful. So you got. And then you were did were you raised in Squamish? Well, we lived in Lynn Valley till I was five. Okay. And. Uh, my dad worked on, in Gastown at a wholesale company. He was a salesman. And then my dad wanted to be a, uh, wanted to be a farmer, a hobby farmer, I guess, before oh. they called it hobby farms. Right. And he bought six, uh, 20 acres out in Wanick. Wanick, right? Out, okay. You know, sort of yeah. past um, Albion, between Albion and Ruskin. Yeah, past around Mission. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so we lived there for six years and we had okay. tons of animals, right? And then from there, we moved to Squamish. At that age, was there an inkling? Is that when you started to play music? How old were you when you started to discover your music gene? Well, I really, you know, my mom sang. My mom sang when she was in North Vancouver in a choir. My aunt had put a choir together. So my mom was always singing. Yeah. And, you know, she had a nice voice, actually. And um, she would sing, California, here I come. (laughs) Right back where yeah. I started from, where bowers of flowers bloom in the spring. <laughs> I know that song note for note, and I knew it right since I was five years old. Wow. And also, Swanee, how I love you. How oh, I love my you. God. I did all Swanee. They loved Al Joseph, right? So were, were all the kids encouraged to sing and to make music? Nobody else did in my family. Nobody? Just you? So... <laughs> So you caught the music bug and did you learn to, what was your first instrument, guitar? Yeah, the neighbor had a guitar. The mother was learning to play guitar in Wanick. I was around 10 or something. And I was fascinated with the guitar. We just fool with that guitar and, you know, we'd go up and down the neck and yeah, uh, yeah. yeah it was just fascinating. And that Christmas, I got a guitar for Christmas and oh. uh, it was a finely crafted one from Sears catalog. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the strings are like this far off the fret, you know, oh. <laughs> No way you're going to play it. But then um, shortly after we moved to Squamish and my dad said, hey, do you want to take guitar lessons? And that was the greatest thing he did. And there was a guy that came up in Vancouver to Squamish. Yeah. And that was like 1969 or something. No, 67, I guess. Yeah. And um, started taking guitar lessons every week. Loved it. Yeah. So and then in that time period, of course, where you didn't have a lot of other distractions so you could focus you wanted to focus on your guitar 
What's funny, because I knew when I got the certain guitar lessons right when I was 11, I might have been just turning 12. Yeah. Uh, my life started then. Really? Like my whole world changed. I was learning, you know, a song every week and I wow. really loved it. Before you know it, I got a new guitar and I just couldn't wait to get the guitar lessons. And then, oh. you know, and then another guy started teaching finger style guitar. So we started taking that and yeah, and then we got into little bands at high school and I knew that's what I wanted to be was a... Well, a and you got, you got the, I bet you got the girls too, right? You're banned in high school. <laughs> No, no? I, I married my first girlfriend, yeah, that a, but that's a whole other story. Okay, well, <laughs> must have been the guitar. <laughs> yeah. Well, the guitar is love, you know. Yes. Yeah, yes. guitar is love. Yeah. Do you, have, do you have a name for this guitar? Because I know a lot of musicians name their guitars. No, no name, but this old guitar has been around. Yeah. It was built by John Larravee. John Larravee used to have his uh, guitar studio in in Vancouver, he, now he's down in Los Angeles, but he's a wow. famous Canadian guitar maker. Oh, and he cool. brought this guitar to me because I got to know him and he delivered it to my house. So there's a whole story to the guitar. It's been smashed a few times. Both times it was smashed in Sault Ste. Marie. Yeah. Both times. One, week, one year I went there and I had a gig that afternoon, I remember, and I got yeah. off the plane and to the baggage and the whole thing had lifted up. And I thought, oh. okay, tape it down, tape it down. Oh, That's my God. So I got tape and taped it down and did the gig. Yeah. And then about a year later, I was back in Sault Ste. Marie and same thing happened again. <gasps> That's a pretty oh. hard. Uh, do you want to do you want to name the airline? <laughs> no. <laughs> By the way, I, I had insurance on it. Oh, OK. Well, that's good. But that's still no excuse. No, it's no excuse. No. Well, I was a guitarist, man. So just that's so right. people know, like, you play multiple instruments. You also play piano. And what other instruments do you play? And you've got other stringed instruments you play. Well, I played clarinet in high school. Okay. And um, my, the deal was my parents really wanted me, me to be a music teacher. And so I went to write. I played clarinet. I still play a little piano, but guitar was the main instrument. Yeah. So I, I went down to UBC. Um, mm -hmm. after high school to write the exam mm -hmm. and they said you know you have to brush up on your theory and there's mm -hmm. a few things you got to learn so take the English program and go into music program but at that point I was nah I changed my mind I didn't want to go to college so I is that when you went traveling then you went yeah and, yeah and then and is that when you probably you were in Australia and where did yeah. you become a street performer there I went to New Zealand when I was oh, just Zealand. turning 20 Okay. And I ended up playing in a whole, uh, like places uh, all over New Zealand for a whole year. Yeah. And met a ton of people. And you know how sometimes you got to get away from your family so you could do your own thing? Yeah. At least you know my what? kids keep telling me that. <laughs> exactly. You know, they don't want your parents commenting. You know, <laughs> go away, you know. And especially if you're pursuing the arts or you're yeah. trying to be a songwriter. I mean, you know, yeah. that's no career. Yeah. Yeah. That's no career for you. Yeah. You know, and my mom would always say, "You could be a you could be a music teacher. Mm -hmm. You could be teaching at schools, you know." And she mm -hmm. said that to me her whole life. Yeah. Whenever anything happened in my life that was maybe not great, you could have been a music teacher. <laughs> <laughs> so no matter. So you've won a Juno. You've won a Parents' Choice Award, West Coast Music Award. And did your mom ever get to see you win any of those awards? Yes. Yes. My mom. My mom passed away twenty years ago. Okay. But so she didn't know that I won the Juno, but okay. my dad was alive. But I eventually had my music scored for symphony orchestras. Wow. And so when I first played at the uh, with the Vancouver Symphony, I guess I was 91, quite a long time ago. 
But there they were playing on my songs. And it was the biggest moment, you know, and I was a nervous wreck. But of course, everyone I knew was there. I think at that point they went, okay, well, he (laughs) sort of didn't get the education, but somehow he was able to write the songs. And then the boy will be okay. Yeah. (laughs) Surrounded by the Vancouver Symphony playing your music. Yeah, yeah, so that point, I think that was the big moment for me and my parents. Oh my, my God, parents. I know. It's so important to us to get our parents' approval, isn't it? It's so important. But if they really don't understand any, if they don't understand the arts or how you could possibly make a living, they're just afraid for us, right? They're just, because they don't have any any concept of that. Well, it was always, my dad was getting, well, if you're just going to get get something that has a pension, it was a big thing to say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think when you get into music, let's face it, it's and any type of art, as you yeah. know, um, mm-hmm. it's a passion that it's not really, yeah. not really a career almost. No, it's it is not. a career, but it's like, you're just, okay, this is what I do. And I have to keep doing it. Yeah. <laughs> Go until you can't go anymore. But why would you? What else would I get? What else are we going to do with our time? Well, that's right. You know, yeah. that's right. So, you're not only a singer and a songwriter, and you also have you're a puppeteer. You've made amazing puppets. You've worked amazing puppets. How did puppetry enter your your entertainment? Yes. Well, you know, the thing is, you talk. I talk about my parents, how they had to accept things. But when I went to New Zealand and Australia, when I was 20, 21, I spent a year in New Zealand and a year in Australia. When I was in Australia, I did do some, started busking down underneath the Harbour Bridge there, a place called The Rocks. I don't know if you've ever been to Sydney. No. So I was busking there and we started to get people to come back to hear me. And then somebody finally said, listen, you know, I really like the way you play. Can you, can you help me with my puppet show? And I thought, oh, you know, I need to record a soundtrack and we're going to go on the road with the arts council and go to schools with a puppet show. Yeah. Said, okay. He picked me up the next day and took me to this little studio. And uh, I still remember the song that it, we, we recorded and a bunch of stuff I played guitar on. Yeah. And then about a week later, he said, now listen, you know, I know how fascinated you are with the puppets. I really would, would like to know if you'd like to join the troupe. It would just oh. be you and, and wow. he, had, he was married and had a couple of kids and I teach you the show. And we, and I started to learn how to, you know, bring the hand to life and yeah. move the arms and, and bring the feelings all up your arm. Right. It takes wow. years and years yeah. to get that, you know, what I mean, kind of puppets were they? We started out with a show is called Stella's laws of neighborhood. It was sort of a Sesame street, knockoff you know you each had your little stage area and there was a common ground in the middle you know i learned an awful lot and ended up doing uh school shows and writing shows for up until i was about 28 or 29 i kept doing that oh god it's incredible yeah yeah so oh so you did your own shows then you did your own puppet shows i built puppet stages uh, that you stood behind and then i had scripts and soundtracks and go around to schools yeah Right. So you were doing school touring then as well then with all yeah. that. So and then I mean, I knew you I mean, back here. We go back to Expo a few years back and you were you and my husband, Gordon, were doing Slim and Angel, which were larger than life size puppets. Yeah, and, because yeah, because I'd learned to build them on the hand puppets. Right. So all right. sorts of hand foam rubber or whatever the rod puppets that you're yes. controlling the mouths right. or the ears and stuff and get some yeah. mechanism. And then the other one was building on a hard hat like a helmet or a hard hat, like build yeah. it up on a hockey helmet. That's what it was. And then, oh, what are we going to make the body out of? Well, yeah. we could make a big fiberglass. Well, no, let's just get a plastic garbage can. <laughs> and turn it upside down and then cut out the edge. Yeah. Now let's make, and then so that'll fit over the person's head. Better cover the rough edges up with foam or tape or someone's going to cut their mouth on that. I mean, 
very primitive. And then they had one string come down. And you, you look through the neck. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, I played the woman and Gordy was the man. Mm-hmm. And I was basically married to your husband for <laughs> a couple of years. I was happy for you to take him off my hands. <laughs> You guys were the hit of Expo. You would run around the Expo grounds insulting people, and it, it, it was so funny. Oh, my God. The two of you, the way you played off each other. At the, at the end, I didn't know which washer to go in. <laughs> I that woman so much. Stop it. I was always talking like this. Yeah. It was, you think my parents were, they thought, God, when you couldn't have stick to music. <laughs> now you're a woman. <laughs> running around. So, you know. My parents had to deal with a lot. Yeah. yeah. You know, they had a lot to be proud of, I'd say. So and now, now you, you you use puppetry still in your current shows, some of your live shows, right? Yeah. I brought a few little things out. Um, I do a couple of props in my show. Right. A lot of my show is interactive with the audience, right? Right. And then I do have a couple of characters that I think, you know, get aroused out of the audience and... But it's not this traditional form of puppetry that has no. a... Because puppetry is all movement, right? I yeah. mean, it's dialogue, but it's still the dial. It's mainly movement. Mm-hmm. But these props, like this one here, I'll show you. Grab it. Okay. Like, is it watering can, watering can, oh, watering God. can? <laughs> yeah, you've turned the watering can upside down. It has eyes on it. And now it's got a great long nose. Yeah, it's like the guy from the Despicable Me. Oh, my God. Look how simple that was. Just, yeah, yeah from a watering can and with just two googly eyes on it. And now it's yeah. a long nose. Yeah, creature. Fantastic. Yeah, that was, uh, but I had a couple like that. And then I have a couple that I, well. I remember watching where you'd put that the head on someone. Yeah. yeah. And then they would I have to do the up. gestures. Oh, yes. that was so funny. I had a ca- sort of a punk rock guy. And so you grab some of the audience, you put that on their head, and then you start to, there's a cable that runs the mouth. So the mouth is flapping away and I'm doing the voice, right? And uh, I'm doing the voice and then they have to act up strong. I'm, I'm cool. I'm swimming. I'm, yeah. you know, all sorts of things. And I didn't really know why that was funny. And so I started putting on people's heads and yeah. just operating the mouth. It was totally by accident. Oh, it's so funny because then people would have, whoever's not on stage loves it because they're not on stage <laughs> and they're watching somebody have to act out and to, and if the best audience members, they really get into it. Like they really gesture and. Well, I got to the point where I'd be doing shows and, and the first thing they would say, and you have to bring that character. Oh God, really? And that's part of the deal that you brought that, you know? Wow. So forget all the songwriting and the accolades. (laughs) uh, You can do your songs. Okay. (laughs) But, you know, when is that going to come out? Because last time you're here. Can we, your songs are, are, how would you classify your music? Because I know you've won awards for children's, but I've never seen your music as specifically for children because it's, it's more universal than that. Thank you so much for saying that. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I mean, well, you know, I've, be straight with you. I never really liked a lot of children's music. And I yeah. kind of resi- resisted it for, until yeah. I was 35, right. uh, 30, 33 or 34. And that's when I f- put my first CD tape out, which you did the album cover for. Oh, all right. <laughs> Forgot yeah, about and that. it was a really cool cover. I loved it. And then yeah. we eventually uh, you know, did a lot more recording and got to yeah. some different companies. I wanted to find songs that I could feel good about singing. You know, I can't just sing yeah. ABCD. I can't no. sing... Yeah, I could do that, but let's change it around. Um, this one here is uh... great. 
I'll just do a one verse, okay? Oh, please. <laughs> you know my dad used to own a men's wear store in Squamish? Yeah. Okay. I love my new shirt, love my new shirt, love my new shirt. <laughs> I love my new shirt, love my new shirt, love my new shirt. It's white, brown, and green. The best shirt I've ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Turquoise and gray, I'll keep it on all day. Orange with a bit of red, I'll wear my shirt too. Dad. Yeah. Whoa, 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 whoa. Love my new shirt. Perfect. Thank you. I love my new shirt. Love my new shirt. Love my new shirt. The true story. Okay. Uh, it's got a button-down collar. I think it makes me look taller. Got some stripes and polka dots. <laughs> I think my shirt is really hot. I love it's a nice design. What I love most that it's mine. Whoa, 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 whoa. Love my new shirt. You're good. <laughs> I love a new shirt. Love a new shirt. Love a new shirt. Okay, last verse. Um, it's my favorite shade of blue. You think it's brand new. No, no, it's not. I got it at a secondhand clothing shop. Can't believe my luck. The price tag is just a buck. And the clerk, she said to me, you can have this shirt for free. Whoa, 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 <laughs> love my new shirt. Oh, oh my God, I love that song. It's so uplifting. Oh. Thank you. That silly song. I yeah. mean, that's the one. Yeah. And uh, I had a clarinet on it. Oh. Phil Dwyer, wonderful yeah. clarinet player. And he, it just, perfect, you know. Oh. God, that, but see, that's the thing about your music is it's all uplifting. And that's what I really appreciate about it. And especially if, if like children can, can enjoy it and love it, but also parents can love it. And that's what I think is so wonderful because a lot of children's music, you just want to run a nail through your ear after about the 10th, you know, like, oh, I'm sorry. I just can't, I can't do this. I have to put the kids in another room, but your music is like for everybody. It's wonderful. No, like, I, I, okay. Some of your titles, the man who Not ran away songs, with the moon. Not at all the songs are for everybody. I mean, okay, okay. The successful children's artists are the ones that are gearing their material for like primary kids, you know. Okay. But then you how are you measuring success? Is it sales? Yeah. You know, nowadays people don't even buy music. So yeah. No, I'm trying to find stuff that interests me for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So when you're writing music, so this is really what this this podcast is about is the the creative spark and and how you how do you go about writing a new song? Like what is it that captures you? What is it that you what thread will you follow to find a new idea? Yeah, I mean, that's really a tough question because yeah, what is it that inspires you? Yeah. I think a dead a deadline inspires me. Yeah. <laughs> a deadline. Yeah. Um also if you work with the right co-writer yeah. And so you got it so far. And then someone says, you know, you never thought about it this way. Why don't we change that there? Oh, oh yeah. Let's add that as a bridge or, or change one line in the chorus. Or yeah. years ago, I, I had started a song called I'm a postman. That's my occupation. Getting the mail to its destination through rain or snow or sleet or fog. I've even got treats for your vicious dog. <laughs> And then it, I'm a plumber. That's a job I've chosen. Um, I'll fix the pipes when they get frozen. I'll fix a sink. I'll mend a shower. It'll take five minutes, but I charge one hour. 
Okay. It's, but see, that's funny for parents. The oh, kids are like, okay, wait a minute. Totally. <laughs> wait a minute. Yeah. What do you mean you're charging now? Or, oh, you know? no. It, they'll get it. Yeah, it doesn't matter if the kids don't get that, but you got the parents hooked. <laughs> yeah, so I'm trying to go back to that song because I never, I never finished yeah. it. So I'm yeah. going back to some songs nowadays with the pandemic. Oh, is that it? Is that right? Hey, so you're going back to stuff that you just sort of put pushed aside and you're, you're revisiting yeah. it for inspiration yeah, and, and, and thinking, wow, you must do that with your work. You know that, why didn't I keep going with that? That was pretty good. You mm. know, do you ever do that? Uh, my work is, yeah. 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 And that's the tricky thing about inspiration and, and having mm. it come to you with your muse and having you not being answering anything else to make it true to you. But if you have deadlines or if somebody's paying you to do something, all those things sort of affect that creative flow. So it, yeah, it, it's it's tricky, isn't it? The longer we we do this, the more we, well, you make compromises because it's part of your living, but sometimes you don't want to make compromises and that's the best place to be. You know, I mean, I've written some songs, like not all my songs are for kids. I wrote a song about the great paddle wheeler in the Yukon. Oh. And uh, I have, a, you know, it's all a, it's sort of a story song and it's one of my best songs now. And it's all about sticking with it. You know, it's about yeah. an Irishman who goes all the way yeah. up to the gold fields at the turn of the century and ends up in Dawson city. Mm. But so that, that one there, I did write that all by myself. It took me quite a while, but often I, like I say, I find a co-writer that I've mm-hmm. got a couple of people I've worked with and mm-hmm. uh, I have a bit of an idea going mm-hmm. and then we get together and all of a sudden it starts to happen. It starts to gel. So it really is helpful to have other people just point you in different directions. I always think songwriting is not a pretty sight. Because you're walking around with these songs half done, you know, and then you think, oh, that line, you know, that rhymes here. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You're thinking about it all the time, you know. Yeah. Come back to earth, you know. Do you keep a notebook with you when, when things occur to you? My cell phone. Your cell? Oh, right. Yeah. You can just talk into it and that's more instant. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. No, I've had tons of notebooks. Yeah. I've kept them all too. And I've been looking through them lately going, okay, yeah, that one there, you know? Yeah. Thank God for cell phones. Well, you know, it's, it's wonderful. Like to set yourself up a challenge too. like a uh, Lori Goldberg, a painter I was speaking with, she was saying she decided to make a project uh, when she went for walks, she, she'd noticed the really small things. And just saying that sort of shifted her focus a little bit. And she came and came through with some really interesting paintings. And just from that little bit of a, of a challenge for herself, which I, I think that's a great idea. Any Anything like that where you can sort of say this is what you're going to do now for a while see what happens yeah that's a great idea actually little just things. in life to notice the little things <laughs> oh i have to ask you since i'm married to a clown um you have a song called circus boy <laughs> yes. i love the the video i saw <laughs> hello people my name is michael that's my daddy on the unicycle here comes mommy with the funny clothes. Here comes daddy with the big red nose. Now, whoa, 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 I'm a circus boy. <laughs> that's my mommy and that's my pop. <laughs> am I your kid or am I your prop? <laughs> One for the money to fall the show. Three to get ready. Time to go. <laughs> I love it. Oh 
my god, my kids could so relate. <laughs> I bet your kids could too, right? Oh god, I've dragged my kids around to so many gigs. Yeah. So many gigs. I've you know, you're coming along, we're going here. No, you gotta mm -hmm. go come with me at the mm -hmm. point they don't want to come anymore, but they've mm -hmm. always been very good about it. Yeah. Well, it's better to, better than going to an office, I say. <laughs> oh my God, yes. <laughs> yeah. And and one of your daughters sings now with you occasionally. Maria, she started singing with me when she was around oh God, maybe ten or twelve. And, wow. Uh, she sang with me up till she was up into her difficult teenage years. <laughs> um, into she right till about eighteen. Uh -huh. And then I, we took a break and yeah. recently we've been back doing some stuff together again. That's very cool. That's she, wonderful. You know, we show up, you know, just before the gig or, <laughs> or like, what are like, I'd be like, well, what are you wearing? <laughs> and, uh, then, you know, we'd be having snacks and she'd say things like to me just before we go on, you know, dad, sometimes you just really annoy me. Okay, <laughs> wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. And then she'd go on and she'd steal the show. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we sing really, we sing really well together. I bet. Oh, yeah. that's wonderful. So, okay. So you were just mentioning the other day, so you've got a, a, some TV gigs going on right now. So what's, what are you doing in the television world? Well, I'm doing my, you know, I do an outreach program and I do that for communities and um, mm -hmm. for schools where Great. I'm just doing it here in my living room. And wow. We're That's a lot songs. of people in your living room. <laughs> yeah, they come around, they bust down, we fly them in. Yeah. Anyway, um, so we've been doing that. And then I got a new agent, ah. uh, Lucas, Lucas Talent, and oh, for, yeah. voiceover, for voiceovers. Great. And they got me on a little TV show, um, an animated show on Knowledge Network. Wonderful. Um, yeah, Luna Chip, Lu Luna Chip and Inky. Mm. It's a pretty interesting little show. I play a bear. You know, a bear. Like this. You know, the voice is right about here. <laughs> We're doing the voice right here. Okay, that's it. That's Either so room. bear. That's so, you got bear. You speak bear. Oh, it's, it's a friendly voice. I mean, you know, <laughs> he's lovable too. He's really smart. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> oh, fantastic. That, is that fun? Is that so? Do you see the animation and then you put the words to it, or is it the other way no, around? They get the script done. They get all the performers. Um, you record in your house, oh. and because no no one wants to get together because oh, of COVID, of right? COVID. So the main office is in Toronto. So I had to get my one of my closets in the house all sort of soundproofed, right? The right units to be able to record a qual top quality sound, and then they bring you in, and you've got your script, and you just do it right there. Just so do it right there. I spent a couple hours in the closet. And then I get out. Nothing right? but, wrong with that. Nothing you know, wrong with that, Norm. No. And then the next day I had a gig in my living room. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for, for this. And then uh, oh, well, to get, you know, get you're so in, I'm so glad I, I'm starting out by interviewing all the people I know in my life that because I was just thinking I know so many inspirational people. And I want everybody to know everybody knows about I mean, you're you've been around for so long and everybody knows your work. But That's I just right. wanted to I think you're Thank awesome. You. Thank you, darling. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. And listen, I, I really appreciate it. <laughs> I just think you're marvelous. <laughs> you got another voice. So, you know, you, you, I, I want 10% cut of that next voice. <laughs> yeah, the old guy. I okay, know. well, I'm, I'm going to thank you to, to the moon and back. And well, hopefully we'll you. get together real soon or we'll get to get, come to one of your performances. You'll get to start performing live soon. Here's to that. Yes. 
Yeah. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank Elena. you nice to see so you. much, Norm. We'll okay. see you soon. Okay. Cheers. Okay. Bye-bye. And that's a wrap. Episode number three, Out Into the Ether. I'd like to thank Norman Foote for his fantastic music and his humor and his insights into songwriting. Check him out at his website at normanfoot.com. That's foot with an E at the end. And my website's elainebrewerwhiteceramics.com. So just remember that creativity is intelligence having fun. Thanks for listening. <laughs>